Greetings to everyone tuning in. Welcome to the first episode of Big Time Podcast with me, your host, Gabriel Tangi. The show is for those of you out there that are young, that be in age, heart or spirit. This podcast is also for those who are sitting there and think that they want to make a difference in this world, in the community and in the lives around them. It's especially about challenging the prevalent thinking in our world today, in society, in the media and within our communities. Now taking a step back and asking yourself, is this the whole story? Well, that's what we want to bring to you here at Blue Book Radio and at Blue Book Media. If you haven't already done so, go over to our Facebook page, Blue Book Media, and smash that like button. So without delaying any further, let's get into things. Today, we're going to kick off our podcast with a bang. We have an amazing guest with us this afternoon. She's the first female MP of Pacific Island descent for the National Party. She grew up in a stay-at-home in the suburb of Mount Albert. Her family moved to Samoa and founded one of the most successful and well-known Pacific fashion labels. She's got a degree in chemical engineering and she's the mother of five. Welcome, Agnes Lohini. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. I'm pleased to be here, Gabriel. Yes, thank you. Uh, is there anything that I left out of that impressive resume? No, no, not at all. Um, perhaps I'd just like to say that of those roles, um, look, I see my role as a mother as the most important one. Mm. You know, long after politics and business is finished, uh, my children are, are my legacy. So that's where my main focus always is. Definitely. That family role is a big thing, especially in the Pacific community. Yep. Uh, awesome. We're really happy to have you here. So, um, you you know, we probably know that you get a lot of a lot of uh, nice interviews. <laughs> but we wanted to ask, <laughs> you know, we wanted to ask some questions which are a little bit tougher. Probably not usually <laughs> asked. Okay. Go for Sweet. it. Sweet. So you've been in Parliament for over a year now, right? Yes, came in um, February last year. Mm. So what would you say is the toughest thing you've had to learn this year? Um, gosh, where do I start? I think, look, it's been a whole change of routine for me. Mm. Um, you know, the travel, um, I'm not there with my family every night. Um, working, you know, working mum, coming home, making dinner, doing the school pickup. That's, you know, that's been my life for many years. So that, that bit has been quite a change but it's also it's also been a good change for me and I've enjoyed it I'm very privileged in the role that I got last year um probably one of the things that I'm sort of had to come to terms with and I still struggle with Mm. is actually you go from being a very private citizen you know going about my business doing what I do as a mum and working on my business and then you become an MP and in a sense you become public property uh (laughs) And so anything you say and do is now under public scrutiny. And I think that's that's uh, something that I'm coming to terms with. I mean, this is the same for all mm. MPs and public figures, um, but that's that's been a, a, a new adjustment for me. Yeah, definitely get all sorts of changes when you're becoming a public <laughs> official. Eh? Um, well, well, yeah, yeah. And, and they say, you know, it's people play politics for keeps today. So, you know, missteps are pounced upon and people are out there deliberately looking for those. Yeah. Um, and it, sometimes we do say the wrong thing or say something dumb. Mm. Um, there's always going to be someone that's going to get offended. Yeah. So, uh, you know, your political opponent, opponents might want to um, hold that over you, <laughs> something yeah. that you've said and in the public domain as, as if that defines your character. And I'm... I think that's a very unfortunate part of this role that we become too cautious to have those uh, free and frank discussions. 
Yeah, definitely, especially with our current climate and uh, yep. <laughs> this uh, political, politically correct uh, yep. Um Well, we'll move on to a few questions now. Uh, sure. In this time, you've had to vote on quite a few conscience issues, uh, especially euthanasia mm. and abortion, big ones, mm. polarizing ones, mm. uh, both of which you have voted against. Can you explain to us why you voted the way you did? Sure. Well, I mean, I guess that this is the other part about what was quite a challenge coming in as a new MP um, was that, you know, I was confronted with not just being new, but having to um, put in a vote mm, on yeah. these two quite um, polarizing bills, I yeah. would say. Um, it was a, it was a no brainer for me in one sense, um, Gabriel, because both bills are quite in stark, stark contrast to, you know, my core values, yeah. my values around life, my upbringing. So in that sense, um, once I understood that these are these are conscience votes, and I think this is the um, this was the challenge is that some see conscience votes as well. You're there as an MP put there by your electorate. So you should be voting the way your electorate wants to vote. Yeah. I, dis- I disagree with that. Um, even if your entire electorate, and you would, there's no way of finding it, but even if you canvassed your entire electorate and they, you know, 100% of them said, actually, we want you to vote this way. This is a conscience issue. Mm. Um, it, I would still vote on my conscience. Mm. And the electorate can then vote me out yeah. Um, at, at the next round, but I think to to ask an MP to go against something that they, you know, mm. is called to their belief system, is wrong. So it is a conscience vote, and MPs will make will make that decision. And obviously, you know, the votes the votes fell where they did. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that was something that I saw um, also with Seal's vote. Uh, you know, because mm-hmm. MP for yeah. Mangere was kind of a, sure. an outcry over that issue of the way he worded in, um, in the abortion bill. Yeah, but. and at the end of the day, he, he stood up in Parliament yeah. and he gave a speech, so you can you can judge him what, on what he said um, at the time, but you can also judge him when you go to the polling booth at the election. Yeah. That's, that's, that's how democracy in action in this country, exactly. whether you like it or not. Mm. Well, like, well, one of the other things that mm. I was going to mention is are you worried that, like, some people might say that you're out of touch with the rest of the world? Um, not on not on those issues because mm. I actually don't think I am out of touch. Mm. Um, you know, on on those issues. Um, and look, for example, on, on the abortion one, yeah. um, if you ask anybody, even if even the ones that would say that they were in favour of this bill, if you say to them, you know, would do you support late term abortions for any reason at all? That they would struggle to answer that in, in a way that you know, mm. and they do. Um, so I, I don't think I am out of touch, and I've noticed that there has been quite a resurgence of you know the pro-life movement in New Zealand since this bill came into Parliament. There was always a movement, but I think it became a lot more amplified because this bill was before us. Yeah, and I just see that movement getting bigger. Mm. over coming years not only that I believe a lot more of our younger people are going to lead that movement yeah definitely because um, you know a lot of words have been thrown around like a lot of the anti 
fellas like to use words like barbaric as if it's like a historical bill or something but i think <laughs> issues such as euthanasia and abortion will always be relevant whether it's yeah in the 1900s or the 21st century exactly and i think the media plays a very critical mm. role in this i was um quite you know disappointed i mean i shouldn't have been surprised i guess in one sense i guess because i'm still new to this mm. is because i was on the select committee for the abortion bill and so i knew the bill intimately but you know that the, i guess the proponents of the bill used this catch cry that this bill was about decriminalizing women yeah and so that was the narrative that the media carried the whole way through mm. and you know disregarding the fact that no woman in our history of of our current abortion law has ever been criminalized yeah um you know trying to point out that it was in the crimes act to give some protection to the unborn child you know so this this is the whole challenge with you know because most people aren't going to pick up the bill and actually you know pour through it and yeah. look at it in detail they will just get the the, the headlines and the media or something and so yeah, that, but that's you know this is politics yeah exactly and you know the media always got to take on it but uh, anyways we'll move on to something else um as a list MP your futurists on whether the national party gets enough party votes in the next election what do you think mm. realistically are the chances for the national party of winning the election this coming september i think i think we've got a very even chance gabriel mm. look pr- prior to covid i'd say that the odds were in our favor naturally mm. you know we've, we've sort of going through this quite um extraordinary situation with lockdown we have you know the prime minister making announcements very regularly on a daily basis during the week um everyone's been glued to the screens yeah. watching her i mean it's it's um and and only her no, nobody else so it's um that that would have had had an impact on i guess if you saw some polling and i and i don't doubt i mean i don't agree with the polling numbers that were out i don't doubt that there would have been a boost to the um you know labor party polling numbers but um it is it, it will turn as people start to move out of lockdown and face the reality of you know mm. what is this real situation out there for families and workers and businesses yeah like for a lot of national party supporters you know with the election coming up in september a lot of them yeah. i want to know what the path to victory is going to look like for national to take over this time yeah that's a good question um look first first of all there's a caucus we do have to remain um a strong united front um that's the first thing um more importantly we have to be as as a party focused not on ourselves but on the families mm, on yeah. the workers uh the businesses who are who are feeling some pain right now and some who are probably going to feel some in the coming months At the end of the day we are public servants and we are here to serve not just the 45% that generally vote for us we are here to serve um all New Zealanders and make the best decisions for for everyone yeah so um and look most New Zealanders will concede that the national party is generally the stronger party when it comes down to fiscal and economic management mm. we're you know generally seen as a good safe pair of hands when managing the economy but it's also the economy that's uh been used as a stick against us by some opponents you know i've heard the narrative 
that, um, but we only care about big business and money, and that we, you know we care more about the economy rather than saving lives. Um, and that's just deliberate ignorance, in mm. my view. But it's not true. Yeah. Um, the economy, we don't see it just as numbers. I yeah. mean, we see the economy as a it's a very integral part of our lives, including saving lives. Mm. Um, that it is about people. Um, yes, we do measure the activity, but it is about people living abundant lives yeah. um, by ensuring that we have the means to provide jobs. Yeah. You know, self, self-determination we talk about a lot. Yeah. Um, that ability to provide for your families, to put food on the table. Um, we want good schools for our kids. We want a well-functioning health system where you can take your kids to the doctor for free. Mm. We want free dental care for our kids. We want good roads so that we can get around to all the, you know, do all the things that are important to us and to our families. Mm. Um, but we're also a nation where we expect the state to look after those in need, um, mm. people that need um, meals, a shelter, you know, people that fall on hard times. None of those things we can do if we don't have a strong economy. Yeah. So you, you know, the path to victory is the path where we can clearly articulate that our vision of the economy aligns with um, mums and dads up and down the country and what they want for their families. Um, Gabriel, I think about a time when I was a kid lying in bed Mm. and, you know, our parents are up late and they're talking at the kitchen table. And I can only assume at the time, maybe, maybe it was times when money was tight, but you could you can hear, I can't hear what they said, but, you know, I, I remember them, you know, there was a bit of anxiety and tension. Mm. They're probably talking about, you know, how they're going to make ends meet that week or whatever. It's it's those sorts of conversations that, you know, parents, people that have lost their jobs at the moment will be having at home at night time yeah. when their kids are asleep. It's being in tune with um, those conversations and making sure that we have a plan, a plan to get forward. Yeah. Definitely. I, mm. I think during this lockdown... Yep. Oh, you want to go? Yep. Uh, no, so carry on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, definitely agree with uh, all of the things that you said. And uh, one thing to mention is also with, like, the current climate, we're in lockdown. Yeah. We've been in yep. weeks of lockdown. And definitely yep. business confidence has gone down. Um, and also, like, you know, that... that uh, just that certainty over what the future looks like for business owners in New Zealand? Because I know that small business is a huge part of our economy. And um, mm. like, I think the other day, Newsweek ZB, they were talking about uh, the death of two business owners. And like, it's definitely, it's definitely become one of those really sad things, especially for business owners, because like they're losing money and yeah. the future for them is not looking bright. Especially yeah. the lockdown, yeah. And particularly if it's something that they've spent years, mm. you know, trying to build, um, it, it's not, you know, it's a, it's they don't become most small business owners. Gabriel aren't actually rich. Mm, yeah. They, you know, they they make enough to buy a home and provide some jobs and get by, but very few of them become really really rich. It's a it's it's an investment for their retirement often, mm. and it's, so everything that they make in business they pour back into the business, you know, constantly. Yeah. Um, and often in the early years, you're not even paying yourself very well as well. You've got to pay everyone else first. So it's to see it all, I don't know, unravel, 
mm. um, in the space of you know four to seven weeks is, is really sad. Yeah, very. Um, well, I think something for our younger audience now. Um, definitely <laughs> another polarizing topic. Uh, apparently, we could be having cannabis as a legal thing this time next year. You reckon you can talk to us a little bit more about what your personal take is on that uh, issue? Oh my goodness, yeah. <laughs> Euthanasia, abortion and yeah, cannabis. Yeah. It's like um, yeah, an interesting year of legislation. Um, look, I, I don't think it's a surprise. I, mm. it's, it's not something that I've, I've supported or have ever supported. Yeah. Um, and look, this is going to be before voters. It's not actually my um, vote. It's going to be before um the public mm. when they as a referendum when they go to vote in the election this year um it's you know according to nearly any scientific view you know that you look at yeah. or data um marijuana is addictive and it is harmful and particularly around young minds and young brains and growing minds mm. that, that evidence is really really strong um and look, you don't have to go far in South Auckland uh, to see the damage that cannabis has on young growing minds and families and communities. And you don't even have to listen to me. Mm. You go talk to the mental health workers and the social service providers in those communities. And they've got stories in abundance of how much damage um, this does to our, to our young people already. Mm. So it's I'm just not in favour of it. And I, I don't care about the mum or dad in Epsom yeah. who wants to be able to smoke a joint legally you know it's a it's the damage that it caused to to our community yeah well that's yeah that's definitely something that probably hasn't been at the top of the priority list on a few uh parties but definitely one of them would be the what green are you, party what are you hearing Gabriel amongst your, your young friends and things well you know a lot of the millennials these days is yep. heading towards the act <laughs> The act, uh, they like it. Yeah, well, they love it. Uh, cannabis is yeah. a big thing, especially in our uh, leavers high school age. That you know that uh, sixteen to kind yeah. of twenty one range, and even and above. Yeah. But it's definitely something that. So if they're if they're already smoking it now, hmm. what what do you think the change is going to be with the legislation? Well, I think the only difference it makes is it's illegal. And it's accessible, like legally. So over, went, over twenty, over twenty, yeah. yeah with that uh, age range, but mm. I don't think it will really change anything because ones that are smoking yeah. it now, when it's illegal, Just, will be the same ones yeah. smoking it when it's legal. So, yeah, sure. Like, oh well, a, a common thing that's always brought up, especially in these types mm-hmm. of talks, is um, like you know the difference between cannabis and alcohol and just the harmful fix what do you say to those who say it's just as bad as alcohol um look alcohol definitely hasn't been good for parts of our community yeah i'm not gonna you know it's but and so i say why add more yeah i mean we've i guess because we've had alcohol for so many years you know we've got regulations around it we still it still has to be managed um but it is it is obviously um there is, you know, violence and damage that that's attributed to to poor alcohol use or mm. abuse, shall we say, in families. And so it's it isn't good. I'm not saying it's good. I just don't think that's an argument to say then add in cannabis or another, you know. Yeah, or making it a reason yeah. for it. Yeah, because yeah, like well, there are two types of different drugs. They're both drugs, but you know, 
mm. uh, cannabis tends to be the more antisocial one of the type. Uh, like, there's not much people that would yeah. go out and it wouldn't be like everyone's partying with cannabis. You know, it's kind of a different game. Just a stay at home yeah, sort it's of more thing and antisocial stay at yeah. home kind of listen to reggae music something that's probably stereotypical but probably happens a lot yeah i i do i do wonder about um how it's going to impact the workplace yeah um in terms of managers bosses it's you know it becomes legal someone comes onto the site has to drive a forklift or you know some a construction mm. site um you know they might do testing but you know it's still legal so where's where, where do they sit on that and yeah. i you know, I just I can just see all sorts of complex, challenging situations ahead. Really, yeah. to try and manage now. Definitely, yeah. Because I mean, I mean, generally people don't drink and then come to work. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You go, it's sort of going, but yeah, I, I just think it's going to be very challenging. Yeah. Um. Well, we'll move on now to COVID, something that's relevant to all of us now after being mm. in weeks <laughs> of lockdown. Yeah, lockdown fever. Yep. <laughs> Happy lockdown to everyone listening. Uh, we've had five weeks of level lockdown, and now we're coming to the end of level three, transitioning into level two. Uh, Agnes, what do you think, looking back, we should have done better as government? Um, I mean, first of all, you know, 2020 hindsight is a good thing. You know, I guess if we had some of the information we've got now back then, you know, things could have been um, a little bit different. But look, the, the government, I will say the government made decisions on all the information they had at the time. Mm. Um, so I'll say that. I guess I guess I, I look across to Australia and the way that they handled it in terms of lockdown and which essential businesses were allowed to open. And I, you know, I wish that we could have perhaps taken that approach mm. that they allowed more businesses to stay open during level four. You know, a lot of businesses could have opened, um, you know, they had their online shops or they could have operated remotely. Um, They could have used the one-in-one-out rule, you know, Mm. safe distancing. I just think that that would have helped to save, you know, a lot more jobs. Yeah, definitely. Um, Just that little thing. But look, it's one of those things that's, you know, you can always look back and think, well, that could have been done better. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know when, uh, once um, Level 3 came out, everyone was dying to get to McDonald's, fast food <laughs> chains everywhere. And, like, it got me thinking. Level, yeah. level 3.9? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> level 3.9. You know, Level 4. Yeah. And Level 4 um, fast food chains, you know, McDonald's, the main one. They were closed. Yeah. But, yeah. like, you know, they also didn't have McDelivery either. Like, they didn't have those kind of delivery services. I think that um, a lot of those fast food chains actually could have opened up and they, you know, like you said, they could have had that one in, one out similar yep. approach. But like, you know, yep. it's, it's things like that. Yeah, I think people were asking, I know at the time I was getting lots of queries, why were the supermarkets allowed to open? You know, the butcher wasn't, the fruit and veggie shop wasn't allowed to. Um, all those places had to dump their food because yeah. it was such a, it was such short notice that we had to go down that, um, you know, all, a lot of perishable items could have, you know, planned for, but that didn't happen. So there was just so much food that had to be chucked out. Um, you know, was there a way that some of those small businesses could have just stayed open and, and applied the same rule as the dairy, which was 
one and one yeah. out. I think a lot of businesses could have done the same thing. But yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll come back to the national party now because uh, it's yeah. an interesting topic. Uh, <laughs> uh, what do we have here? Um, what do you say to those who say that the national party, especially the leader Simon Bridges, has been unhelpful yeah. and divisive during this time? Um, oh, what I say is that I think that Simon is doing exactly what he needs to be doing in any well-functioning democracy, which is to hold the government to account yeah. for the decisions that they make. I mean, it's extraordinary times, and we've had our freedoms and liberties um, basically taken away from us, you know, under this mm. under this lockdown, under civil civil defence emergency. Um, so if you know. I sort of think if, if they think his job is just to sit there and only say nice, supportive mm, things yeah. to um, Jacinda, then why bother having an opposition? Exactly. Yeah. The, because because the alternative is a dictatorship where the government just makes laws up on the hoof mm. and they can ignore legal advice and no one is there just to ask them questions to challenge yeah. them. And I, I think you know I think time will tell that someone was right to ask questions, just regardless of how people didn't want. Um, the government to be challenged at the time. Yeah, well, definitely, you know, whatever way you look at it, so, like, not just Simon, but the entire National Party, is it's, it's kind of, it's hard to be in the opposition seat, you know, because... Well, and also, um, Gabriel, under lockdown level four, um, Parliament was suspended. Mm. So, you know, we were just told, short notice, that MPs would not be going into Parliament, that we would be basically closed, that we would still work from our home to support any constituent issues, all our offices would be closed. Um, so effectively there was a time when the government were making all these decisions and there was no oversight or security, you know, or, or scrutiny. Mm. And then we had the Epidemic Response Committee, uh, which Simon is chairing, which was an opportunity to give um, the rest of New Zealand a chance to get other people in to talk about what was happening and to question the officials and ministers. And that was a good thing to have, um, absolutely. So, you know, it looks like we've got Parliament back on, you know, we've got Parliament back on now, but it's been quite a, a sort of a skeleton Parliament. Mm. And um, it's meant that Yes, you know the prime minister has had all the attention um, during this time, but you know it's 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 now time to get back to full parliament, full scrutiny, full oversight. We've got the budget coming up next week, and so I, you know, this is people need to now get their heads around. We've we've flattened the curve. Yeah. Now we've got to to work out, um, you know, how we get the country back up and running again. Mm. So you know. On, also on the topic of the government, uh, you know, mm. actively, you know, we've had the government actively encouraging people to report their families, you know, their friends and their neighbours if they breach the lockdown. What's your take on that? Mm. Oh, um, <laughs> to be honest, I think the whole, this whole Dobbin culture, yeah. and I call it the Dobbin yeah. culture, has been probably one of the most unfortunate elements throughout this whole lockdown. Yeah. I mean, as I said, we've we've never experienced anything like this where we had our freedoms and liberties just taken away from us so abruptly. Mm. But we did it because we were told, you know, that we was it was about saving lives. That this was a very aggressive virus, and you know, this is this was the best chance that we had 
of fighting it. Mm. And so, you know, we all came together and complied, even though that meant closing our businesses, you know, and all, all that. And, and obviously, there's dollars been lost from it. Mm. Um, but I think, you know, then I saw reports of someone, you know, seeing people all congregating at the park. I mean, it, the other thing was that the rules were so um, arbitrary. Yeah. So, and ambiguous that, you know, first it was you have to stay home within your bubble, but you can go to your local park yeah, with your bubble, exactly. but then you had, but you had to walk there. And then it quickly changed to, no, you can go into your car mm. if you have to go to your local park, yeah. but you couldn't go to a playground. Um, if you were going to the beach, you had to go to your local beach. And then there was a whole, people weren't sure what local meant yeah. like in terms of distance. Yeah. And then, and then there was, you know, um, you can't go to the playground because kids might touch the swing or the slide. Mm. Um, you could, you couldn't go surfing, but sort of you could go go surfing, and then it switched to you couldn't go surfing. So you can imagine that that creates a bit of anxiety and tension, yeah. and you're always you're always going to have people that would sort of think, oh, that just doesn't make sense because I'm actually only with them with my bubble, yeah. but yet, but yet. There were signs saying that you had to be, you know, if you're in a car going to the supermarket, you had to be by yourself. Mm. Uh, and and so the ringing up and reporting on others, like I just, yeah, yeah I think that's just been, it just causes tension and divisiveness, yeah. really. Like even with the like response and especially a lot of the, um, well, I'll use an example of like that uh, the park scenario. Like it's really vague. I think yes. the other week. You know, like that term "local park." It's it's really it's kind of subjective. So, so where did you go during level four? Well, level four, I have a park just around the corner. But I also have a park like five minutes away, which I drive to. Um, I ended up getting stuff by the cops because <laughs> apparently that wasn't my local park. But one of the things I was really interested right. in after that was, well, what constitutes local park? Is there a specific radius, like five k's? You, you know, yeah. like. And this, this was, this was always, this was always the problem is that when you have arbitrary yeah. rules, you see, we have laws, and laws are quite specific, yeah. and you know, you know which law you've broken, but these, these instructions around what was local, going here or there, and who are you with, they were fairly ambiguous and fairly arbitrary, and every day should be changing. Yeah. And so it just everyone, it was too much to try and follow, and of course you've got people that want to tell off other people you've always got people yeah. in our community who, who who think you know that those people shouldn't be breaking these rules and look now this week it seems that 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 hasn't wasn't even legal yeah but you know um it appears that they may not have been legal there was no legal basis for giving those instructions to police to go and you know break up a group or stop people who were meeting at the park and things like that so that again just makes it feel like because you know what I'm, Gabriel I think at the end of the day even if the Prime Minister had come to us at the start of level 4 and said look I, I don't actually have a legal basis to stop you but for the sake of our country and to try and stop the spread I'm asking you could you please just you know refrain from doing this or mm. doing this I think people would have done it yeah you know I mean? exactly so I, without the whole police thing on over it and you know people would have gone okay yeah we get it we'll do this 
But now we sort of, you know, now we sort of hear that there was no legal basis and the police have, you know, been called to these groups for people doing things. And yeah, I, mm. it's unfortunate. Definitely. You know, with, especially with uh, over the Easter weekend, there was a big um, just presence <laughs> of police, eh? especially on Good Friday. Especially Good Friday yep. instead of us. It stopped. Yeah. It stopped Friday, you know. Yeah. A lot of checkpoints. Yeah. Um, well, now we're going to head into some, you know, quicker questions, some rapid fire questions. Uh, I'm going to ask okay. you, yeah, we've got five questions here. And you have to answer each question in three words or less. Does that sound good? Three words yeah. or less? Okay. So try your best. Oh, <laughs> that's going to be, that's going to be really hard. Oh, shouldn't be too hard. <laughs> shouldn't be too hard. Uh, I'll kick off us off. Oh, I'll kick us off the first question. Uh, who inspires you to become who you are today? Oh, easy, mum and dad. Always, always. <laughs> <laughs> always. Um, what's your favourite book? Oh, Gabriel. Uh, I don't have one favourite mm. book. I take it you read um, a lot. <laughs> I, yeah, look, since, since I've had a Kindle, oh, wow. I like to pick up these um, one or two dollar... <laughs> One or two dollar novels, which uh, no, I, I look, I do like the the thriller yeah. genre, and just like easy reads to to help me unwind from reading all my parliamentary mm. stuff. Um, but yeah, okay. Oh, I look, look, look oh, can yeah. I just say I, I, I loved, I loved um, when I was younger. Big fan of of Wilbur Smith mm. novels. Do you know Wilbur Smith? Um, Did you read those? It does not. Ring any bells? About the Ballantines and oh, it's famous. He writes about the Ballantines and mm. Courtney families, and they're sort of quite sweeping dramas set in South Africa. Oh yeah, sounds pretty. Uh, very, very sounds pretty good. interesting. Sorry, that yeah. wasn't words, <laughs> it was more like a <laughs> quarter of an essay. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we'll move on to the third one. Uh, who's your favorite yeah. political commentator? Anywhere? Oh, Gabriel. Um... Oh, anywhere. Yeah. Um, I, I listen to a lot of Ben oh, Shapiro yes. at the moment. Shapiro, but, uh, but lo- a lot more. I mean, I just um, overseas, locally. Look, I it's, there's probably not many that I wouldn't listen to. It's good to be abreast of different different commentators. Mm. Uh, okay, this one's probably more so about post career. Uh, what do you? Oh, well, where do you want to go when you retire? I'll probably go to Samoa mm. in retirement. Yeah. Yep. Lay down the roots again. Yep. Uh, <laughs> what are three things you want to be remembered for when you finish in politics? Mm. Uh, I want to be remembered um, for someone that made uh, a real and significant contribution to our Pacifica families in New Zealand. Um, I want to be recognised for someone who's been a strong advocate for our small business communities. And I hope to be remembered as someone who actually stayed true to their values. Mm. Um, You know, the values that I said, you know, in my maiden speech, that someone can hold me up to those. It's definitely a great legacy to leave behind. I think a lot of these assessments (laughs) were a lot of people that should be leaving that kind of legacy behind but uh yeah once again uh it was good 
good five questions which were answered in definitely over three words yeah this is some short questions but yeah um well awesome well we'll come to the end of our time agnes uh just want to say thank you so much uh for being with us today are there any last things that you want to oh, say my... oh just uh yeah just anything you want to oh no thank thank you gabriel just really enjoyed it and i'm looking forward to to seeing you continue and just hearing lots of other people and young people i think i think you've hit the nail on the head i really want to hear more young people get involved and sharing their views and this, this yeah. is great great platform well thanks again agnes it was great having you great honor for you to kickstart our podcast big time podcast but yeah <laughs> once again thank you for an honor for me thank you great having you so um back to everyone listening uh, make sure you smash that like button on our Facebook page. Uh, tell all your friends, spread the word, and be sure to subscribe to Facebook Radio on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, or on Spotify, where you'll be able to catch all our shows. Finally, if you have any questions or topics that you want us to cover, or if you want us to get a certain guest or something on the show, then flick us a message here at Blue Book Media, and we'll definitely look into it, because we're all about trying to get the full story and the full picture. And uh, also, just to end it off, uh, I just want to thank the team over at Blue Book Media for uh, getting this podcast up and running and um, yeah well that's it for the podcast and I just want to say have a great weekend everyone and I'm your host Gabriel Sangi it's us awesome.